0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great ESPN podcast, the CJ McCollum Show, where every week, New Orleans Pelicans star CJ McCollum discusses names and storylines in and around the NBA with inside perspective you can only get from someone in the locker room and on the floor. That's the CJ McCollum Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the right time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars, I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is that time of week we have a guest join us, coming to us live from Metal Ark Media and ESPN. Howard Brian, what's going on, man?
1: Good morning. Good morning. How you doing, Bo? I'm
0: good, man. Yeah, I want to. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about this Dion stuff, you know, as we go <laughs> in this, but. How much can we tell the people about the project you're working on right now?
1: Virtually nothing. Nothing at all? No, we can say something, of course. Okay, um, I mean, I don't
0: mean details, but like like the, the big thing that you work at all, because I just think it's one of the coolest projects somebody could do.
1: Yes, I'm working on the, uh, the date most people don't know exists. July 18th, 1949. Jackie Robinson goes to Washington to testify to the House on american Activities Committee against Paul Robeson. Who supposedly said that it is inconceivable that Negroes would fight a war for the United States against the Soviet Union? And they brought Jackie into, put Paul Robeson in his place. One of the great moments in uh, in history, uncovered. Man,
0: like one. I encourage people like the one thing I could suggest is there's the documentary you can find on YouTube by Paul Robeson. I don't remember the title, but it's directed by St. Clair Bourne. I recommend people check that out because Paul Robeson is the baddest man.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I cannot imagine how terrifying that big <laughs> was at that time. Like I'm bigger than you. I am an incredible world-class athlete. I have a singing voice that is unmatched. And I am scared of absolutely nothing, right? Oh, I
1: also have a law degree.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I forgot <laughs> about that part. My bad. And this is in the early 20th century. Now, I um, one thing that St. Clair Board documentary points out is a man of missteps, right? Like, this is not there a master saint, right? Made some trades at different points that are trades that people make. But when I talk to you about the different things that you come across in the research on it, I find myself so struck in so many ways about things that go on that are like right now. You know what I mean? Like the parallels of what go on for the man that decides to do this, the way that owners look at race and everything else that surrounds it. It is just Mm -hmm. wild to me when I hear you talk about it. Like, wow, it kind of is the 40s. It's the 40s.
1: It's the 20s. Yeah, it's wild, it's wild. And I think what's great about it too, is that um, you know, these types of stories don't get told, they never get told. And we act like it happened a million years ago. It didn't happen a million years ago. And a lot of the different themes are still happening today. And one of the things, you know, as we, as we're about to talk about Dion, one of the things that I find really interesting about it is the, the black reaction to other black people publicly and the sort of, um, all the stakes that are involved in that, you know, it's not the same you know, when you criticize each other or when you do something that runs counter to what everybody thinks you should do. Or when when white America puts you in a position to go after your own for their reasons. um, Let's just say things get hot.
0: Yeah. And Jackie Robinson got caught in the okie doke. That, I mean, to be fair, he didn't really have much of an option on it, right? <laughs> Government say, hey, Jackie, you want to come in here and testify? <laughs> How you feel about that?
1: Exactly. Oh, and Ooh. who's
0: telling me? My employer, Branch Ricky, How am I going to say no? Right, right. And if you read Jackie's autobiography, he talks about the various conflicts that he has and like ultimate regret that came from the way that it was all um, done with him, but when the Kyrie thing was going on, I talked to you about this, and I talked about this on the show, that I think what I think, and I'm not, I mean, I'm going to say what I think, generally speaking. Now, I'm not one of those people. Like Sometimes you got to look up and be like, hey, being right ain't that important, right? And he's yep. like, no, nah, I'm going to pass on this one. But with Kyrie, I quickly saw the okie doke at play, and it was like, nah, not going to do that there. Nope, not going to. No, smart, the
1: smartest you. move, maybe, I mean, I'm you know I'm not ranking it, but one of the smartest moves... Of the year right in terms of yeah i tell my son this all the time the world doesn't need to know everything you're thinking yes especially because in these situations you're being brought up there not because of what you think but because of what we need you to say
0: right right
1: they're not the same thing
0: Right. And that's what I what I saw in the Kyrie was they're like, "Yo, we got to get somebody to do this. But white folks ain't really want to get on that because it's always this close to being about something else. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, hey, highly respected (laughs) Afro-American. How'd you like to give your take that I just heard and may not even fully understand, but it's close enough to where we want to go. And so I was passing on stuff like that. Right. So this Deion Sanders thing comes up. And I did an appearance on CNN last week, um, and we talked about Jerry Jones. And, you know, I said what I had to say about Jerry Jones. Um, But then they were like, hey, we'd like you to come on again next week, right, before we have any idea what there is to talk about. We want you to come on next week. I say, cool. Um, not sure if you guys heard, but I do have a television show to promote, right? So, like, these are things that I, over the last few years, I don't really do too many of these appearances anymore. But I got other things to do. Okay, cool. I come in. So they say they want to talk about Dion. I'm like, oh that's interesting. And the question was, is Dion a sellout? And I'm like, well, no, of course not, right? We could do that. Uh, but what I didn't expect is that the word sellout would be on the screen the entire time I talked. And that's a lot to ask people who are primarily watching two minutes of a nine minute clip and don't hear the part where I say no, I don't think he's a sellout and then get into what the things are that I'm talking about, but they see the two minutes and all it says is sell out at the bottom of the screen and you got Or they're out.
1: at the gym with the yes. volume down right and just right. looking at the word sellout while they're while right they're not, on the elliptical. Seeing,
0: not seeing the question mark at the end right and in many cases what i find to be interesting not giving your boy any benefit of the doubt like if you don't know who i am and you're unfamiliar with my work that's one thing some of y'all have been around for a minute and i'm like yo i think you i would have thought that you would pretty readily know and recognize that no i ain't gonna be the one out here like the term sellout as i'm saying i would have taken the colorado job too but anyway I get out there and I say what I have to say, and the response, this is wild, man. I'm not exaggerating it. At least it doesn't feel like it. The only thing in my like real public career that I can think of that has gone as viral as this Dion thing has, was the, was the Donald Sterling thing in 2014. More than the t-shirt? Maybe that, maybe that. But I'm thinking less, like that's easy, right? Like that's yeah. just a picture, you know, it just kind of goes out or whatever it is. But in terms of something I was actually saying, This is like the number one that I can recall in getting around and like looking at the numbers. The last time I checked, we were recording this at 1015 Eastern time on Wednesday, December the 7th. And that thing had 2.7 million views on the tweets. And that's before we get to the people who like hijacked it and put it up on their own. You know what I mean? God knows if it made it to World Star. who knows what's going on Mm -hmm, with the, mm -hmm. the reels and the TikToks and all of this stuff, right? It is the most viral thing that I've done, but what's a couple of things have been interesting, and I want to later get into like why it is that this is such a viral topic because that has been the thing that has shocked me. But not just the bots, but a significant number of people who watched that clip and were like, "The white man put you on TV to tear another black man down." Yeah, you were at sitting the- there, but I'm sitting there, Howard, and I'm like. Don't you see these white people on this on this stage pushing back on me? Like like don't you see Don Lemon pushing back on me? You think the conspiracy was to have me come out here and tear down Deion Sanders when Deion Sanders did what white people in power would absolutely prefer, which is to take someone who is very talented from a black institution and then bring him to a white one. So that the black talent that would go to the black institution and the intention and the money now comes to a white institution. But I'm the one doing the
1: white man's work. (laughs) Which, by the way, is the history of the HBCU in sports.
0: Yo, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's so, like, the response in every way was so bizarre to me. And I guess part of this is, like, obviously the magnitude of Deion Sanders and, like, the idea, the notion of the charismatic individual and how roped in people got to the idea of him. But it wasn't about the cause. It was about Dion. And so part of what like disappoints me in some of the response that I've seen, and I don't think that people peep this level of game themselves about what I feel like is going on here, is I was speaking in defense of the black college, right? I was, right. At, from the very beginning, I have spoke in defense of the black college, in defense of the mission of the black college, and asking for Deion Sanders to buy in to that. Of which you are an the- alumnus. Right. Well, I'm an alumnus, but also I'm a black person that grew up around HBCU. So like, even if I didn't go to one, I got it. it it's the world that I'm of. Right. That's like, right. that's what I, that was what I was asking of Dion. And you can go back and there were things I was mad about. And there were things that I was like, I hope he doesn't do this. You know, like, like, I mean, I was, I was fairly pointed and strided into criticism. I have no problem um, acknowledging that, but it was always in the name of black folks in this black institution that I think has done so much, not just for black people, but honestly for america and the response was well why can't he go get his money but somehow i'm the one doing the work for the white man like this is just the responses to this i think are so convoluted and all over the place because i just don't think people i don't think people know what they're supposed to think but i think in the end their loyalties are to deon sanders over the black institution which is really, really strange.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's a few things at work. And, and I think you're right. I mean, that there is, this is one of those stories where you gotta step back and ask yourself what you should do on all stories, but where we have to step back and go, what's happening? Like what's actually sort of taking place right now? And uh, on the one hand, the first thing for me is that I think we have to remember the moment in time we're in, and you, this is going to be the the moment in time we're in is shaping a lot of how people are reacting. Post George Floyd, there has been this mo- this moment movement. We've heard about it, like reviving the HBCUs, and we've been hearing about this for years before that but really the George Floyd moment really suddenly made this push and remember there was all this talk about the 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 HBCU as the antidote to uh the imbalances in power that African Americans have with a lack of coaching and opportunities etc at the PWI um you know in the PWI space and so there has been this feeling that the HBCU is the savior and that the people who return to it or who gravitate toward it are somehow responsible for its revival and that there's a movement taking place for that. Even though we know and have always known, and you and I talked about this, Jackson State was never going to become Alabama or threaten Alabama or or become some satellite parallel universe to Alabama. Right. That's. This wasn't the game. In fact, you and I, I think we were on your show a couple of years ago talking about how the goal of the HBCU is to actually educate, right? That's where your lane is. That's the space where, you know, that is the, that's your historical space for those institutions. So the idea as we started moving in that, oh yeah, all the black talent is going to, is going to rebalance by going home. It was never going to happen. And yet, but that is the romance of it. So when Eddie George went down there, when Hugh Jackson went down there, when Deion Sanders went down to the the different schools, it seemed to feel like it was picking up some sort of momentum that really doesn't have a, a basis in any sort of historical fact. One, because the resources are so different. Then there's the other thing, which is the idea that what, black coaching really needs and what the hbcu really needs is to have deon sanders walk the walk because remember this is how he sold himself he didn't sell himself going to hbc users. this is going to be the first step in my coaching career that's not that wasn't the marketing plan the marketing plan was he was coming here to create something for Everybody not for himself, which runs counter to anything that we know about Dion. (laughs) Dion comes first. And so there's that. And there was a little tiny bit. I don't want to put them in the same sentence, but I feel there's a certain analogy here to the reaction to Barack Obama. When he was cashing in off his presidency, which they all do now, right? I mean, Jimmy Carter is the only one who doesn't post, you know, Reagan. Although he's pre-Reagan, but of that generation, the pre, the post Watergate president, part of the game is to make a ton of money off your presidency. And people, when anybody called that out, that you know, I think this is kind of messed up. Why? How come you want to let Obama get his money? Why? Why you know, get your hand out of his pocket, whatever, all of that stuff. And so when Dion says, OK, I'm out the door and I'm going to go to the, you know, I'm going to go to what is essentially a mediocre power five school, but it's still a power five school. And the message is their money is longer than your money, which is true. Then I I can see why people would be like, well, how come he's not allowed to earn? Well, he's he he is allowed to earn but you got to factor in all these other things too, as part of the moment in time, which sort of explains all these different reactions.
0: And don't forget that he got that job in the shadow of George Floyd and was talking that talk with that in the air. Like that was part of it was that it was in this time and you know, God called him to come and do this for HBCUs to level the playing field. You Google Dion level the playing fields, you'll find the quote. Like it's not this, that, that is, that's him. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. I think you and I both can do math, thereby the money that he took was so much more than the money that he was receiving, and I don't <laughs> think that anybody can begrudge somebody for making a move under those circumstances, right? I I, I don't think that anyone can.
1: And is but, anyone begrudging him? And that's the other thing. Is no, that piece of it actually happening?
0: No, I haven't seen that, but I think this is another topic where the outrage machine has decided that this is a one. like. After I do this podcast, I'm gonna be on TMZ to talk about this, and that's strictly a result, I would think, of them looking at the 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 virality of it and realizing that, yo, what's hot? Yeah, yeah, this is hot. This is the thing. Like to the point where I hit the team and we're like, yo, you sure about this? Like I don't know. Like you know, we talked about it and we're like, yeah, okay, we think that we can like probably go ahead, um, and we can make this. You know, it won't be. I don't want to be misframed and I don't want to be caught in a situation to try people trying to get me to say something that I never said and didn't mean in the first place. But like, we think it's going to be okay. So you can hear me right now talking about it. If it don't go right, I'm telling you, I'm giving you an advance. Like, Hey man, I was like, I don't know but I think we're going well, to do. And, it. and
1: also there's tons of stories, tons of ideas where no matter what you say, people are hearing something, what they, they want to hear something different. Dude. They're hearing what they want to hear. And I think with this story, Uh, One of the first things that hit me when Dion went down there in the first place and we were talking about this HBCU Renaissance and I was like, is it? And people were talking about how the the balance of power was shifting because now black people are beginning to take back their talent and utilize their talent to bring it back to their. I'm like, is that what's happening? And so, you know, as you start thinking about this, you, you realize that how much of this is actually about Dion and how much of this is actually about us, how much of it is really about the romance that we have and this goes back to the negro leagues in a lot of ways when you go back and think about the how things went sideways you take the black talent from the negro leagues you bring them to major league baseball but you kill the infrastructure no black doctors no black managers no black gms no black ticket takers but you take the talent You take the talent from the HBCUs in football, you take the Ozzie Newsom's and you take the Walter Payton's and you take the Jerry Rice's and you take all of them. But you don't you you leave the infrastructure alone. You're not hiring black coaches to come along. You're not investing in the HBCU. And so now the HBCU feels like it feels like a reparation in some ways. Now, right. post George Floyd, right, and so all of these things are happening at once. And then the 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 North Star that you've got is now going to a one and eleven team because that mediocrity is better than your twenty seven and five excellence over the last couple seasons.
0: Yep, because their mediocrity pay like five million dollars a year. I get it. You know what I mean. Uh, and and if Dion brings the staff as he has said he wants to bring the staff, if he brings this heavily black staff then he has done something that, honestly, most people don't have the power to do under those circumstances. That's but right. Somebody is going to come to him and be like, yo, you might want to get a white dude or two.
1: Or two, um, and especially yeah. there, because yes. let's also remember the history of a lot of the black players haven't really had it easy up in Boulder. You know, it's not like, it's not like you're going to a place that has a, a long tradition of you know of of uh of really black participation of comfort you know you're going to colorado i mean there's a lot going on there right so so there's that and i think the other thing too that has to be considered when it comes to to someone like dion is there was a romance that he was going to be Eddie Robinson. I don't know where that really came from, but a lot of people did buy into the idea that he was going to create a tentpole here. He was going to be an anchor. This was going to be a model. And over the next five or six or seven years, we were going to look back and look at this moment as the moment where, where the star players did something they had never done before, which was use their star power to bring it back to the black community and Dion and Dion was actually perfect in some of these ways, because if there was one thing that people knew about him, it was like, well, he don't really need the money. He's not, you know, he can actually afford to take that sacrifice and then he didn't take that sacrifice.
0: Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing I'd say about the taking the sacrifice. Yeah. He could afford to take the sacrifice. You are correct. But what nobody talks about when they get into Dion did this and the the notion that I've never actually seen verified about Dion donating back his salary um, or a, a portion of his salary, how much you think that Aflac deal is worth? Because I think I'm assuming that Affleck, Affleck deal is worth multiple millions of dollars which he would not right. get if he was not at jackson state which by the way makes it a bit easier for you to donate half your salary back anybody that's donating <laughs> exactly. half their salary back is somebody who got a lot of side money coming in just so that's right. right well right. and also
1: it's like it's, it's and that's the other thing that people get all upset about which is why are you spending my money right it was like the time when jason giambi was going to sign with the yankees and i walked up to him and i was like gee okay the yankees are offering you 120 million and the Yankees, I'm sorry, the A's are offering you 113 And if you're happy here, I mean, what's the difference between 120 and $113 million? And he looked at me and he said, $7 million. <laughs>
0: yeah, the idea of diminishing uh, marginal utility is not uh, <laughs> in the world of most people when it comes to these things. But I do want to talk about that point of an HBCU renaissance because I think a thing that's been lost in this is HBCU enrollments across the board have been up. Post George mm-hmm. Floyd. Applications have been up post George Floyd. We're talking like double digits that And that's attributable
1: to George Floyd, not Deion
0: Sanders. Right, right. And see, that's the thing. Like there is there was a larger moment that was there that he wound up being a part of that again, I think has kind of been lost and forgotten when we get to talking about this because now it is as it always was, and it just becomes a thing of talking about. Dion, he really moves the needle in a way that I am shocked that he still does in 2022. We got to remember, man. Deion Sanders got drafted almost 35 years ago
1: and has not played a game since what 96, um, 97. No, no, he was at the Ravens in 2000. Yeah, yeah, he had that. Right? He
0: had that comeback in the early comeback. 2000s,
1: right? Mm-hmm. But yeah.
0: I. And this, this is with us having been around at the height of the fame of Deion Sanders, which is something that I think is kind of difficult to explain to people, like especially given that baseball was a bigger deal to the median American than it is right now. He was not a Hall of Fame baseball player and not even really an all-star caliber baseball player, but at his best, he was a very good baseball player.
1: And I'm wow. going to disagree with you there. You think he's all-star of Deion, caliber? Because if Deion... Deion could play. Oh, no. What I mean is and, uh, it, but,
0: if he had played all the time, I yeah, think so, yes, right? That's But I'm right. just talking about. He like had all-star written all over
1: was. him, though. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, I think he led the league in triples playing like half the season one year with I the Giants, that I think, or something. No,
0: it was with the Braves. He had something like 14 triples in 90 triples, games. 14 triples, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Deion Sanders legging out a triple is one of the most. Inter- like the triple is still the most entertaining play that baseball has to offer you. And yep. let it be Deion Sanders, the one legging out that triple. And then the throw mm-hmm. to try to get him at third goes in in the dugout and now he's walking to the plate
1: yeah and because he could play like at the level there were a lot of people <clears throat> and then obviously when he went off in in dallas and san francisco and dallas and obviously atlanta but there were people who were like if he sticks to baseball he could be a great player not a good player he'd be a great player because it wasn't as though he couldn't really hit he just he was putting 40% of his time into baseball. Right. It was still really good. With a broken down body. Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Like, that's the part that gets lost. The reason Deion riding around on that scooter, right, is he put a lot of miles on his body. Like, the idea that Deion Sanders was an elite corner for as long as he was an elite corner, because, I mean, you, you'll think of a Champ Bailey, you'll think of a Daryl Green, you'll be able to pull up some names of those guys that are elite corners and stay elite corners. But if you watched... What uh, Garrett Wilson did to Patrick Peterson over the weekend—you mm-hmm. are reminded—it's hard to stay good as an elite corner. He wasn't like Deion Sanders all the way through 2000, but when you add in the fact he was playing those baseball years and playing wide receiver as yeah. a lead, like not just over oh, putting him in on a trick play, but there were a year, there's a year or two where he was an actual wide receiver. Yo, he no, was no so famous right the yeah. idea that a cornerback was seen as a cornerback swung the balance of power from the 49ers to the from the Cowboys to the 49ers and then back and again.
1: then back to the Cowboys mm-hmm. based
0: on what Deion Sanders did
1: no no doubt well I mean that whole shutdown corner island thing is Deion's I mean they weren't they weren't doing that with Rod Woodson back in the early on they weren't doing that with with corners back then even though they were great corners but this whole you can't throw to my side of the field for sixty minutes. Yeah, I mean that is that was Dion, and you also can't throw to my side of the field even if Jerry Rice is over there. <laughs> well, 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 well. Here's and the then tricky, they... th- here's the tricky thing about Dion:
0: you can't throw to my side of the field but you can't throw to the other side of the field where Jerry Rice is lighting Charles Toast-Demery up for five right. touchdowns. If there's anything I will never forgive Deion Sanders for in this world, is Charles Toast-Demery getting lit up on the other side and Deion <laughs> got his thumb on his ass on the other half watching it happen. I still mm-hmm. don't know to this day how in the world that was allowed <laughs> to happen, but it did eventually get to a point where no, maybe you shouldn't throw it to Jerry Rice either. But he had to get his heart up before
1: he was ready for that. Well, cornerbacks... You could make an argument that cornerbacks are sort of like the closers in baseball. They got that window where they're unbeatable for X, a short X amount of years. But during that period, they're as good as they've ever been, right? They're as good good as it gets. Like, you know, there was a time people were talking about Josh Norman as the guy, right? There's, there's always been that guy the same way there's been that guy for the first couple of years who's unhittable coming in, in in the eighth, ninth inning. And then over time, exposure begins to level things out. But no, no doubt. I mean, Dion Dion was the guy because I think what people forget about Dion and it is that height of fame thing, right? Because it's it's a pre-internet height of fame. It's nascent cable height of fame where he was the three network guy. Like three network fame is a big deal. You know, and people don't get that today because you've got streamers and eight gazillion channels, but three network fame. When everybody knows who you are, when there's only, you know, CBS, ABC, and NBC, different thing. And also, you know, he's coming up at the time when rap is coming up too. He's in all them, you know, hammer videos and everything else. People were and he played for the Yankees. He did. Right? I mean, he's everywhere. Well, he he's showing played, up with a helicopter showing up in a helicopter. Hold on. He also
0: played for the Braves. And in terms of talking about fame, especially yep. as Deion Sanders, they were on television all across America. And
1: winning all the time, and winning all the time, and and at a time when Black Atlanta was on the ascent, and and really into the Braves. That's right. All right, like he like his the helicopter from
0: uh, the football game to go to the baseball game and all of that stuff. I mean, look, and that was a
1: playoff game, wasn't it?
0: That was a playoff game in night, and don't forget this in 1988 when Deion Sanders was a college senior. He pulls up to the Florida State-Florida game Strike. in a limo wearing the tuxedo. Like, he had figured out how to leverage the media game before anybody else did. What he was wearing at the draft, that crazy Sports Illustrated cover that looked like a pen and pixel, no-limit album cover, except it was 1989. <laughs> and he said at the time, cornerbacks weren't making any money, and he decided that he was going to play this up. Like, his ability to promote has always been unparalleled. And that's where the Colorado thing is going to be interesting because he is going to get them shine and attention like they've never had. And that, to me, that's what I wanted to get back to. One thing I'm finding interesting in the responses about Dion is how many people's thing is, look at all the attention he gave to HBCUs, right? Now, number one, he didn't give attention to HBCUs. He gave attention to HBCU, okay? HBCU. How many players can you name on Jackson State's team? They play in North Carolina Central in that celebration bowl. How many players you can, can name you name his kid. on that team? Yeah, you can name his kids, right? How many people can you name, like, figures, not just pay. Coaches, players, whatever it is, from the rest of the swag. Eddie George is there at Tennessee State. Did you know that? How many players on his team can you name? How many players on Hugh Jackson's team can you name? Did you watch the Bayou Classic this year because of Jackson State? Like, he brought attention to HBCU, okay? And I don't blame him for that because the job of promoting all of them was too big. Just don't give him too much credit for something that did not happen. But in this day and age, the most valuable currency is attention. Right? Like when people talk about the attention economy, the idea that Dion got people to look at Jackson State while he was there, I think for a lot of people, it gets no better than that because what they want is to be seen. What they want is to be famous. And so to me, the thing is, he did that. He was seen, but once he goes, all the eyeballs are going to follow him and you're not going to stick around with Jackson State, right? It's like those people who don't really like reggae, but love Bob Marley, right? Bob well, Marley exactly dies, right. and suddenly you're not out there going <laughs> to go find more reggae. You had your reggae dude, and now your reggae dude is out of there. You waiting for legend to come out, and then boom, that's what you're going to do, and you're going to play it, you know, when you smoke weed with your friends in college. Like, well, that's, that's what that's going to be. But that's what well, that's, De- right. that's that's what Dion did, though, is there was a level of attention that he received, and it was great for Jackson State at the time for them to draft off of it. Like, there's no question that Jackson State got a lot out of Dion's presence. But I am struck by just how universally a lot of people believe that people looking at you is the height of all of this. So nothing matters more than people looking at you.
1: But there's, and, and there's a couple other things that work there too. Like number one, you know, what you're describing is no different than watching Tiger Woods. Are you watching golf or are you watching him? You're watching him. And once he's not there, How much golf are you watching? Right. Now, maybe there's some dudes who stick around and go, hey, I kind of like the sport. But for the most part, that cult of personality is about the person. And I think the other thing is, and I I didn't finish this point, I don't think I finished this point well, but I'll try it again, is that there is a historic nostalgia and want for Black people that this moment has created. And it does go back to the Negro Leagues, where you took the Negro League talent and you left the Negro Leagues to die. You took the black talent from the HBCUs and then you just forgot about the HBCUs because now, you know, once Alabama is going to start, you know, recruiting black players, then we don't need Alabama State anymore. We don't need the, the you know, North Carolina ATT. We don't need the rest of them. And this post George Floyd moment, this post Trump moment felt like a way to get some of that back felt like a way for Black people to begin to have some more self-determination, to begin to use those resources to say, wait a minute, we've got ability, we've got talent, and our talent has a price tag on it. Our talent does have value. And if there can be a movement you know, started by a famous player, because you do need a Pied Piper, right? You do need somebody to say this can work. And so I think a lot of people put a lot of emotional currency into it. And I don't just mean Black people. I mean a lot of guilty white people. Who were like, hey, yeah, this is right. This is important. This is, we did take all the talent and leave everything left behind. And maybe this is recompense. Maybe there is a moment right here where something special can happen. And then Dion goes to Colorado, and we're we'll back to square one. Right. And so I think there is a feeling like a letdown. Like okay, well, it feels in some ways it feels a bit like a like a gut punch for the, to those people who who bought into this possibility in the, of this moment in time.
0: So something interesting that I was looking at uh, with Dion and uh, his recruiting at uh, Jackson State, and I hadn't paid much attention to what the recruiting was this year. We all know what it was. And look, uh, my buddy Joel Anderson was looking at this, that uh, 24-7 or one of the recruiting sites has um, like a talent index to like determine, like w- some, some index to give you an aggregate of how much talent each team has. Mm -hmm. And Jackson state was at like one thirty or something like that. And that is absurdly high for a school of that level, right? Dion. And I think part of that, obviously with Hunter is probably skewed there with Hunter and the kids, but something that I found surprising about his time there, like I'm looking at the top 20 players in the state of Mississippi for the year of 2023. So next year's incoming class, right? None of them are going to Jackson state. Mm -hmm. Not a single one. Um, If I go now and I look at the top 20 players from the year 2022, from the state of Mississippi, none of them are going to Jackson State. And I find that a bit surprising because the Mississippi schools, they were able to get boys to come later, the Mississippi SWAC schools, in part because the uh, SEC Mississippi schools were really holding on to that racism, really tight. Like, it asking for a lot to me to go play a game under the Stars and bars every week you know what I mean but I am surprised actually though that he was able to get like this great player from out of state to come there and I don't know if they were maybe they weren't trying or whatever it is but like aside from the we can be big time because I just don't think that matters I do look at Dion's time at Jackson State and not just him but anybody else who gets that job later this would apply to them I would just lock in as hard as I can on the idea and the mission and try to get as many of the good players from the state of Mississippi as I possibly can because what we did learn in this man if you didn't know it it's a lot of people that really care a lot about Jackson State football a lot about Jackson State football it may be a 10 or 15 year plan in doing it but hit the ground and get as many of the players from your own state as you possibly can because you can't win the SEC strictly with Mississippi players, right? There just aren't enough good players in Mississippi for you can, for you to do that. But I bet you can win a swag.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One hundred percent. And I and I think the other the other part of that, while you were talking, is you also have to talk about the rest of the school. Like, part of me. And obviously, being from Massachusetts, it's a different. The relationship with HBCU well, is very we, different.
0: We, we know how. Would you just called it North Carolina AT and T? We
1: are aware. We are N-C-A-T. Aware. I don't know how to call it. Call <laughs> North it?
0: Carolina AT. AT. All you got. Oh, and, is I, said, A-T, A-T, I said
1: AT. i say saying You got to get that out. A-T. You said no, no. Guess, leave it in. Leave no, you got to get that out. Leave it I mean, in. It helps sell, help sell the point. I didn't talk about no phone company. Come on. No, no, no. Do not do me like that. You know that was a mistake. We left it in when I
0: thought you said slaves. Instead of slades.
1: <laughs> how are you gonna do it? You know how much hate I'm about to get no, now?
0: No, no, now you're gonna get the love because you're coming back around on it. For people who don't know, how I was trying to talk about Bill Russell and he's like, Yeah, he owns slades in Boston. <laughs> and I was like, He owned what? It's like, slades. <laughs> slades. Oh, slades with a D. I thought he said Bill Russell owns slaves, and I just couldn't like, you said Bill <laughs> Russell Pippin? Like, I couldn't figure out what in the world Bill Russell was out oh here my
1: doing. Goodness. <laughs> anyway, continue. We understand. Apologize to my people for this. It was a mistake. <laughs> damn it. Mistake. You know? Anyway, I, my cousin went to Johnson C. Smith. That counts. Yeah. So, but that's the other point, right? Is when we're starting to talk about the whole package. You know, there was a part of me that was like, "Okay," I was starting to get mad about it because I was like, this isn't this isn't charity. And this whole feeling has been like, oh, we have to go help the HBCUs. We got to help them, you know? And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's an entire educational foundation in history here. Right. And. If you're going to try to compete for players. I thought you were also trying to compete for students, right? There's a whole thing here, go- which goes back to your point about why are we actually doing this? Do you really believe that that trying to go out and get every great player in Mississippi or Alabama or competing with Clemson is actually the mission of the, of, of the historically black college and university, right? And so I've always sort of been a little skeptical about overlaying the sports mission with the mission because the mission itself has not changed well well you know what happened
0: there right this is something that i've become aware of in this and probably knew already but this is an important distinction and this is something that i'm not sure as somebody from not from the south would get this right where are you from black culture and white culture are largely different things, right? Like, they're different wings of what the white culture is up there, too, because immigration plays much more of a role in who's there and why, right? But black culture and white culture are not really the same.
1: Black culture and white culture ain't the same in Boston.
0: Yeah, but in the South, black culture and white culture are basically the same, right? Like, there's not... the overlap is all there, right? We're basically all and of the same things or whatever. Which is to say, we, my people act about football in the South the same way they do. Mm-hmm. Ree- Ridiculously, right? right? Like like every ridiculous thing and every little small, tiny defensive attitude that I ever see when you say something about Auburn has come out about Jackson State in the exact same way. That has been more interesting than anything else <laughs> for me to watch. It's just like, oh, we really are the exact same kind of crazy. This ain't one we can blame on them no more, folks. No, sir, rebob You You go check the SWAC message boards and all of that stuff, and it's like, oh, no, no, no we really do all kick it the same like if you need no, to try no to doubt. make the point that we ain't really that different it goes
1: right there by the way that's a just, great point that's a yeah. great point because and and that's a weather thing too and, a, and a, because half the people up here are playing hockey right now yes you know what i mean and so it's not like there is a the shared history of black and white on the east coast given a few pockets here and there, but especially like in a place like Boston, is really only 120 years old. It ain't 400 years old. Right. It's 110 years old in terms of like big, big numbers. I mean, obviously the black people lived in Boston in the 1700s. But I mean, in terms of actual culture, I mean, it's really not that long right? where you've had, you know, serious. I mean, the post-Great Migration is only 52 years old. And by the way, we wasn't really trying to come
0: with y'all like that in the Great Migration. That tough anyway. Like it is. Like people got to New York. Like no, 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 no. We'll. I my man got halfway there. Yeah, my man got halfway there and was like, no, it's just a little (laughs) bit too cold. It turned back around. We
1: in Canada yet? Not even close, son. (laughs) We we got a long way to go. (laughs) My my, grandmother said why'd you stop it? She's one of them from Barbados. And that's what I said. Black Boston, black Boston ain't right. the same because, because of the Caribbean influence right. up there. Right. You go to Boston, you got Haitians, Jamaicans, Basians, you know, K-Bird- and African Verde deep. And don't even bring up the Cape Verdeans, You know, because the Andrades and the Silvers and the Lopeses did not get along with the Jacksons and the Johnsons <laughs> and the Franks, <laughs> You know, that took some time.
0: <laughs> yeah, have we had our discussion of was Wayne Fonz passing? Exactly, right? For people now, who Wayne, don't remember Wayne Fonz. Wayne Fonz, Wayne Fonz, Fonz got hit- counted. Does, see, I don't remember him being counted at the time. because Wayne Fonts, for those of you who don't remember, Wayne Fonts was the coach of the Lions in the late 80s and early 90s, like the Barry Sanders era. Wayne Fonts is that. And if you look at a picture of Wayne Fonts, that is a black man. Wayne Fonts is from Cape Verde, right? But he got that job before Art Shell got that job. But Art Schell was the first black head coach by every metric. And that's see, why I I'm always asking, thought that was Wayne Fonts' But he didn't. No, Wayne Fonts had that job. Before our shell, Art Shell got that job in the middle of 1989 yep. after they fired uh, Mike Shanahan. And per the wiki, Wayne Fonts got that job in Detroit in 1988. Mm-hmm. I have never seen him regarded as a hero or a pioneer. But I'm telling you right now, I'm looking at a picture of that man. And if this is
1: Louisiana, he black. He black, man. That's right. Well, and that's why I always say, when I went to college, when I went to Philly, I was like, I'm only five and a half hours away from home, but where's the Andres at? Where's the Fernandez? Where's the Fonts? Where's the Lopes? Where's the Andres? Right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's go talk to Davey Lopes, because he's from he's from down there. Davey Lopes is down from uh, East Providence. Mm-hmm. And so that area is, you know, and Wayne Fonts is part of that. He's from New Bedford, Massachusetts. From that's New Bedford, right. absolutely. And Half an hour from my house. He went
0: to Michigan State at that time where Michigan State had was was taken to black people. The other people were not taken. Just want to point Mm -hmm. that out. Uh, I think Wade Fox went in there and he's like, oh, I'm from Cape Verde. And they're like, oh, that sounds like Europe. You know, Americans don't know (laughs) Americans don't know nothing about no geography. Like are like, you're black. No, I'm from Cape Verde, right? And they just, and every time they do it, he just Shrug his shoulders. He brought his brothers along. They got jobs. And I'm like, yo, what are y what do y'all gonna have a bad hair day and mess it up for everybody?
1: Mm-hmm. They'd be like, man, did I see some waves in there?
0: <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Every day he in there, you know, it's like,
1: well, play the music. Thank you for your patience. A representative from the right time will be with you shortly. Your current hold time is fifteen seconds.
0: But yeah, you put a picture of Wave Fox and that dude next to each other, and you gonna think they brothers, and you gonna think they brothers but neither one of them ever (laughs) were treated as brothers
1: as brothers no doubt and it's interesting because when i was whenever i was making my list i always put wayne fonts on it but you're right in terms of chronology he don't count like i
0: say i ain't seen nothing in any february about how you know this was a big thing i'm looking at the legacy part of his wiki page and it's just all about his personality and his popularity and, by the way, it worked out well for him because, uh, let me tell you something, he started off his first two full seasons, he went 7-9 and nine and 6-10. and 10. Black Wayne Fonts gets fired after that. <laughs> Instead, Cape Verde and Wayne Fonts stuck around to go 12-4, and four, get the NFC Championship game, and win the only Lions playoff game of my life.
1: That's right. And they beat the Cowboys in the playoffs that year, didn't they? They smoked them. They smoked them. They crushed them. And then themselves got smoked by maybe the best
0: professional football team I've ever seen. The Ninety One Commandos. Ninety
1: One, yeah, Washington. Yes, yes,
0: yes. But yeah, no, Wayne Fonts, the hero. Maybe he might be out here. Like he might be out here. Like I joke about, uh, Jaron Collins. He's like, hey man, hey, what about me? I, I ain't no hero, all right? <laughs> now, with Jaron Collins, he's making a different point about why he's not a hero. But Wayne Fontz, like, no, no, no. Shh, 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 shh. Exactly. You I am an keep that ordinary quiet. football coach. I'm just a ball coach <laughs> that's it
1: i don't even understand that's why people talking about color mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's funny because it's like and what and it all comes back to if we just do a little quick history lesson what's always funny about that is that little period right there all comes back to one man and go youtube it al campanis on yep. nightline the buoyancy black why don't you have a good black a lot of black swimmers or a lot of like they're they're, but but they're really nice people, and a lot of yes. them are my friends. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and it's true, though. Look at that period. In that period, you probably had the biggest boom of black hiring in the history of, of American professional sports.
0: Well, no, it was after the Rudy Rule came in when they thought Johnny Cochran was going to take him to court. And true, but if that... you look
1: at Campanus was 87, right? Mm-hmm. Wayne Fonz, if you count him, gets a job. Yes. Archelle gets a job. Ray Rhodes gets a job.
0: Well, Ray Rhodes was a bit later, though. right? Ray little, a little bit items. later, yeah.
1: But Dusty Baker gets a job. Cito Gaston gets a job. Frank Robinson gets hired again, right? All of a sudden, Don Baylor gets hired. So within that five-year yeah, period, suddenly you had black coaches. Yeah,
0: that's fair. Like, if Johnny did it, though, the NFL went and got like six or seven.
1: That's true. They were like, <laughs> that is true
0: hey, hey, Tony Dungy, you got some friends? <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Hey Tony,
1: so, hey Tony, we'll even get you a quarterback. Yes,
0: yes. By the way, how much would you pay um, to walk up to Wayne Fontz and tell him that Mike Tirico used to say he was Italian?
1: Oh my goodness!
0: I would lo- like. I would love to see the look on Wayne Fontz's face. And Wayne Fontz, like Wayne Fons and Mike Tirico looking at each other, like, huh? Sup?
1: <laughs> like
0: they may not see this, but I do.
1: Although I Wayne Fontz though never hit it though. <laughs> yeah you know wayne fonts never hit it i mean i mean i say he like, did hide it but somehow it never came up but it never came up exactly i will exactly. say this though the blackest
0: thing about wayne fonts is in 1996 at the age of 56 he was let go
1: as the coach of the lions never to be a head coach again never to be a head coach again never got a second chance right Yep. and what's funny about that is that but it is true though growing up down there growing up down the south shore it was very clear that the Cape Verdeans did not always claim that blackness, if ever. Time out. What
0: Wayne Fonts really had them convinced how? In the fall of 1987, Fonts pleaded guilty to driving while intoxicated <laughs> after an incident in which he was originally also charged with possession of cocaine. The more He's serious charge was drop, however. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> or, 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 or he did an amazing sell job on this one, right? Like that's that's all I got. But if you got caught with some blow in 1987 and you kept your job as a coach,
1: that's true. You know what I'm saying.
0: You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm, that, that, that's all I'm saying, man. Like, I don't know how we wound up in the Wayne Fonts place to bring this thing home, but I hope the people found themselves entertained. they go look yeah. at that picture of Wayne Fonts. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I know what you
1: mean. You know? I so, seize it now.
0: sand <laughs> Sanders taking us all over 1980s <laughs> and 90s and everywhere else. But that is Howard Bryant. Uh, check him out on, at Metal Art Media. Check him out at ESPN. Also, go on Amazon and Google his name. There's a whole lot of books you can buy. I recommend that you get up on one of them. Check the Ricky book. That's the most recent one. The book on uh Ricky Henderson. Uh, actually, I should have thought about this earlier. Like Ricky here, Ricky Henderson, Dion Sanders comparisons as people. Where I feel like Ricky Henderson is the same guy with far less strategy. He just <laughs> he he decided just, he, he just out here trying to make it happen and ask for money here and there. But Dion has a plan.
1: Had a plan. Oh, and by the way, they was teammates. They were. Ricky with was still with the Yankees. There.
0: For like fifteen minutes, but Ricky. For about was still twenty-two there. whole minutes. <laughs> Can you imagine? Was that uh was that Stump Merrill managing that team or was that Bucky Dent? Or like I forget which one of those terrible exactly. managers it was. But you imagine being the manager that has Ricky Henderson and Deion Sanders, and I'm pretty sure Winfield was still there.
1: Winfield was still there, out for the season back. No, Winfield was still there. Traded it was to the 89. Angels. 89 and also mel hall
0: oh i forgot mel hall was on that team (laughs) the man who once had a 37 second
1: home run trot the man who's still in prison and took a high school girl to a prom oh forgot about that forgot about that like i would
0: love to hear don mattingly's off the record conversations from 1989 (laughs) about what in the hell has happened to this team like Don is like, I had to put up with all of that, and he couldn't just hang on for one more year to get that ring. He just needed, they took it away from him in '94 when the season got canceled. He couldn't
1: man, hang they, on probably for one more year. they probably looked at Donnie. They probably looked at Donnie in that clubhouse and said, Yeah, we got to retire his number no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: we need to do it today. <laughs> we got to do it now. The man has, what the man has done for us cannot be ignored. But hey, man, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this three times a week. Adi Khan, Dan Stancic, Parker Owens handling things behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Remember, follow The Right Time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani
1: Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to
0: podcasts.
1: The Right Time
0: with Bomani Jones.